Hi folks, it's Rabbi Sharon Brous here. You are listening to Ikar's podcast where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our guest speakers, our teachers, anything we think worth listening to that we can capture, you can hear right here. Thank you so much for being with us. I want to start by framing this in in terms of a concept in Jewish law. There is an idea that to own something, you have to do an act of possession, an act of claiming. It's called kinyan. So the most easily accessible one in modern life um, is what happens at a wedding when you want the specifically the bride to take ownership of the ketubah. And so as, as they are told what the content of the ketubah is, um, you hand the couple an object of some kind. Generally, it's a pen, because that happens to be right there when you're signing a ketubah. And, and then the couple lift the pen, and the lifting is an act of taking ownership. It's an act of possession. The more classical example, not that you asked, um, but any of you intending to acquire a goat or a cow, <laughs> since most of us are incapable of lifting those animals, um, what you do is you just lead them on a rope for a while. And if they take a couple steps at your urging, that counts as lifting the pen for the ketubah. Same concept, Kinyan. So the question I want to ask us is, how do we own freedom? How do we do kinyan? How do we claim possession of the freedom that is our birthright as human beings, as children of Israel? And I want to tell a Simchat Torah series of stories to convey that. These are personal examples. You may have your own. But for me, what's striking is that when the children of Israel marched across the dry land to freedom, what was needed was an act of kinyan. How do they assert ownership of this new liberated identity? And what they did, counterintuitively or not, was they danced. And I want to hold that dancing is the appropriate act of kinyan, the act of owning your own existent liberation, your own beauty, your own light in the world. We dance it into the world for ourselves and for each other. So some dancing stories. Those of you who know me know that I grew up in an extremely Jewish but not at all traditionally observant home. That is to say, we had a beautiful Seder and bread was on the table. <laughs> Most people at Ikar have no right to laugh at that. <laughs> so, um, so the first time I saw Simchat Torah, because I, I knew there were a series of S holidays in Judaism, Sukkot, Shavuot, Simchat, like who thought of that? But, but I had never experienced them personally uh, until I was in college. And in college, I had my kind of turn on to Judaism moment. Um, and in Boston, there was this wonderful tradition at the Tremont Street Synagogue, which is a little tiny from synagogue in Somerville, 
that all of the college students who wanted to in the whole greater Boston area would gather in the street outside this synagogue for Simchas Torah. And, and that was pretty amazing, right? The entire street is blocked off. Every young Jew who wants to be seen is there. Um, the energy is incredible. And the thing that shocked me and delighted me was they had this little tiny from central casting Orthodox rabbi and he stood on a podium outside the synagogue with a bottle of presumably Slivovitz, which he poured into the mouths of dancers who swirled beneath him. I grew up a fairly docile San Francisco Jew, which is, you know, the kind that says please and thank you and no, you go first, which I'm aware we're not familiar with. But, but in San Francisco, that's how we rolled. And, and I had never seen a rabbi pouring alcohol into dancing mouths, <laughs> particularly because that rabbi had also loaned all of the synagogue Sifre Torah to people, so as they're dancing by, they're dancing with the Torah scroll. And I was enchanted. One of the many times I fell in love with Judaism again and again. What kind of a wild and crazy tradition encourages people to do this? And so the next day at breakfast, I was telling this story to one of my college roommates who was raised in British Columbia in a very strongly evangelical family where let me just cut to the chase and tell you they don't have clergy who do things like this <laughs> in public and I'm gushing about how amazing this is and he has, he's put down his fork, he's not eating, he's looking like something horrible has happened, right? And I knew I was home. I knew that this was a tradition big enough for all of me, big enough for all of us. And I knew that this was an act, I didn't know the word Kenyan, but I knew that this was claiming something really important that has to be claimed in public. Okay, fast forward a bit. Um, I'm now in New York City, I'm in rabbinical school already. And New York had an equivalent version of this. I think we danced sometimes on the same street and the same places together. Um, so Anshe Chesed was this wonderful congregation, and they closed off the street there too. At this point, Ilana is a student at Columbia Law School, and I'm in rabbinical school. Um, and and what one of the marital games we used to play, you're welcome to try this at home, it's endlessly delighting, is I would come up with the Aramaic name for the legal concept in whatever case she was studying. <laughs> you understand why our romance has weathered the years. <laughs> it turns out the concepts haven't changed at all. The application, I'll give you, has shifted a bit, but there are Aramaic names for pretty much everything that was in her law books. So we're dancing out in the street with all these young New Yorkers. There's no rabbi pouring booze anymore. That apparently is in the past. But I go up to her and I say, can you imagine this ever happening at Columbia Law School? Meaning 
would law students ever take out the book of statutes or the legal codes and lovingly dance them into the world? And what an incredible tradition we have that our book of do's and don'ts, our books that tell the stories of our ancestors' foibles that we have inherited so abundantly, we not only try to live that book, but once a year we're just overwhelmed with the need to say thank you, I love you, I need to dance with you. What an amazing tradition. <laughs> Move forward again. I'm now a rabbi in Mission Viejo, which is nowhere south of Los Angeles and north of San Diego. I don't mean unworthy when I say nowhere. What I mean is that nothing existed until the Mission Viejo company bought the entire area and planned the entire community down to the last street light and stop sign and then spent two decades building it out. We loved living there. So we now have the kids, they're very young, two or three, I don't remember which. And I have Shira on my shoulders and we're dancing there are two things that rabbis do at normal synagogues at Simchat Torah. Right? The first job of every rabbi is to run around the room trying to get recalcitrant parents to dance. The mystery no rabbi understands, and maybe one of you later can clarify it to me, is why are you there if you don't want to dance? But nonetheless, there are. They bring their kids and then they stand in the corners of the room hoping that I won't see them because they know that my job, as with the person who scoops out the burnt brownie corners in the pan, my job is to scoop up these stubborn parents and get them in the center of the room to dance, which they do one cycle and then they go back to a corner again. Okay, but at some point, any suburban rabbi would give up on this and would just dance with their kids, which is what I was doing. So Shira's on my shoulder, and we are spinning around, and I flash on a memory that my grandmother shared with me. I loved my grandma Dottie. To this day, I talk to her. She's in my heart. And grandma Dottie came to America from Odessa. And the first year Alana and I had moved to Mission Viejo, for an anniversary present, we bought each other a sukkah. See why our romance is so strong after all these years? And, and when I told my grandmother that, her response was, I didn't know people were still doing that. <laughs> the last sukkah she had seen was in Odessa. She didn't know people did that. And then she told me that her memory as a little girl was of her father putting her on his shoulders and dancing with her on Simchat Torah. And I realized that it wasn't just me and Shira who were dancing. We were part of a foursome. And two of us in this world and two of us already in the next world, two of us in the new world and two of us from the old world, we were dancing all together. And isn't that marvelous? Last and greatest story. So 
the last happy occasion was Simchas Torah 2019. Have any of you not yet been to an Ikar Simchat Torah? So you're in for a treat. It's like nothing, nothing, nothing you have experienced. I don't know what it's going to be like this year, but I trust Ikar that it's going to be amazing. So in what I'd like to call normal years, which is 2019, Simchat Torah was downstairs in the gym. The place is filled not only with good Ikar people, but interlopers from other congregations. <laughs> and I don't actively resent their presence. I don't. I rise above this. <laughs> but the place is packed with, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand sweaty, noisy Jews. And, and, and there are talks about social justice and Torah and there is dancing and dancing and dancing. And in the past, our rabbi did not pour booze into our mouths, but I'd like to commend the concept. <laughs> and the arts and way of participating, I need to back up and tell you, almost every autistic person I know has an area of focus something that is so core to their being that they can't walk away from it. And Jacob's has always been Torah, always. As a little boy, he would, well, the first time we took him to a therapist, he took two of the therapist dolls, which got him all excited, because therapists love when you play with dolls, because that's when you tell them stuff that you really don't want them knowing. And Jacob took one toy and laid it down this way, and one toy here. And then he said, Amen, and he started chanting. <laughs> That's my boy. So Jacob loves the Torah. Some of you have seen him dancing in front of the Torah. Um, he, he loves the Torah. He also loves that you guys smile at him when he's loving the Torah. And that's a gift you give to all of us that is infinitely precious. Okay, but Simchas Torah is challenging for him because it involves what he loves most in the world, which is Torah, and a community he cares about most of all. And it's also really loud and really chaotic and really, and you know, he has a harder than normal time with that. So most of the time we come for the first two hakafot and then we leave. And, you know, I try to get Jacob to dance, and we dance as a family, and we just hold each other's hands so no one gets lost or run over. And we try to find a circle of people who are dancing slow enough that we're not going to lose it. Uh, and then after two, we're pretty much done. But, but 2019, and I don't know who it was, but somebody, somebody handed Jacob a Torah scroll. And he surprised us by taking it. And Jacob says that one of the things he loves about the Torah is we treat it like a baby. It has a cradle that it goes in, and we dress it in beautiful clothing, and we hug it, and we kiss it. So Jacob is hugging baby Torah, and he has a smile on his face that for me is the smile of Geulah, of redemption. And people are swirling by in the Ikar style, loud, chaotic, crazy, but people start noticing Jacob is just standing there hugging the Torah and grinning. 
And so people start shouting his name as they dance by. Way to go, Jacob, great Jacob, lovely Jacob, as they're dancing by. And he has this smile. At one point, some Ikar member came over and asked if they could dance with the Torah now. And out of nowhere, one of the Ikar rabbis kind of appeared magically and said, here, let's get you a different Sefer Torah. And, and that night was, for me, what freedom is, right? That we make room for each other, and we smile at each other, and we love each other not for who we think we're supposed to be, but for who we actually are, all of it. And we take all of that and we dance it into the Torah, and we dance it with each other. So I don't know how we're going to do that and stay safe and healthy, but I trust Ikar to be thinking about that. What I know is whether you're by yourself watching on Zoom or whether you just stand in a corner and you sway or you have people whose hands you can hold while you dance in a circle, it's time to do Kinyan. It's time to claim our legacy of freedom of thriving, of humanity, and of heart. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Mayim Bialik, actor, neuroscientist, Ikar member, and lover of all things Jewish. Do you like what you're listening to? Please consider donating to Ikar so that we can continue creating more podcasts and fulfilling our mission of harnessing untapped energy in the Jewish community to reanimate Jewish life, embody moral courage, nurture the spirit, and work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Why don't you visit our website at ecar-la.org and give today.